streaming 24-7. This is Radio Influence. This is the place that the UFC and Bellator come to for the inside scoop of what's going on in the world of mixed martial arts. The doors of the gym are opened up just for you. We are the MMA Insiders. Here are your hosts, Jason Floyd of the MMA Report and the president of Combat Sports Media, Sam Kaplan. Welcome to the April 10th edition of the MMA Insiders Podcast. Of course, I am Jason Floyd, as always, joined by Sam Kaplan. Sam, how you doing? Doing well. Spent all morning coloring dinosaur pictures, so I thought I'd take a little bit of a break and talk some MMA with you. Of course, it is a crazy time in, in the world of mixed martial arts. Uh, you know, it's you talk about you know when MMA goes mainstream. Sam, that was last Thursday with Conor McGregor. That was uh, really insane. I was actually at work when that all happened, and I got a bunch of text messages and people saying, "Did you see what happened? Did you see what happened?" I'm like, "No, I'm at work. I can't really look right now." And then once I got out of work, I took a look, and uh, I was like, "I I was stunned. I w- I was just amazed." I know that Connor has uh, kind of been a little bit out of control these past few months, but that took it to a new level. Yeah, it definitely took it to a new level. Um, you know, on the on the USC's aspect of this, of course, Dana White was asked countless times, you know, what is Connor Stass with the UFC? What's his fighting future look like? And, and from a PR aspect, I'm really surprised the UFC didn't take the method of, hey, you know what? Yes, Connor is a contracted UFC uh, fighter, but uh, he needs to handle his legal situation first, and once that's handled, we'll, we'll look into uh, his, his fighting career. Well, that, that's, that's not going to happen. They're, they're going to get him back in the cage as soon as possible. They're in their TV negotiation year. Very critical time for them. They've wanted Connor back. They need that revenue that he draws whenever he does a, does a pay-per-view for them. I mean, the, the, the amount is, you know, life-changing for them. It's, it, it just is. Every time he fights, that's the equivalent to four or five pay-per-views combined for them, maybe even more than that. So they really need him back in the cage as soon as possible. And the reality is, Jason, the fact that he did this and he's kind of in this situation now, I think it actually gives the UFC leverage over him, getting him back into the cage. And I think it increases the chances and the sense of urgency on his part of feeling that he might need to get back into the cage. So as crazy as it sounds, Jason, I think this incident actually could expedite the time in which we'll see Conor McGregor back in the UFC cage again. You know, you look at, uh, and I totally agree with you that, you know, we're going to see Connor back in the UFC cage in the near future. Um, you look at how, uh, you look at the embedded episode, uh, that they, they had, which, by the way, that episode of embedded, which was episode number, uh, number five, has 4.3 million views on Facebook. The other episodes for UFC embedded were all basically, uh, you know, at, at a million or, or a little over a million views. So it, it shows you. And then you look at how they started off that, that pay-per-view broadcast on Saturday night, how much of it was about Conor McGregor shows you're in the Conor McGregor business. Um, you know, when, when you look at the incident, like, you can't, you cannot, you know, you cannot defend Conor McGregor for what he did. Uh, but Sam, I think that this has been something that has been brewing between Team McGregor and Team Khabib. Yeah, I mean, the, the tensions had been building. If you just, if you just uh, follow tw- Twitter regularly, you could see that. And you know, as much of a, of a as a black eye as it was for the sport, and it's not a good look for the sport. You know, when I went into the gym the next day. Conor McGregor was literally on every single TV. I mean, the only TV that he was not, the channel that he was not on was maybe the Weather Channel. But all (laughs) the big network morning shows had him on. Even the local morning shows were talking about it and showing the TMZ video. So it's gotten the UFC a lot of press and attention during a time in which they needed the attention. So it is a bad look, but it's going to actually help the UFC from a box office standpoint because McGregor versus Nurmagomedov, that was not a mega fight. It was a fight that, yes, Conor coming back, you know, if the fight happens, it, it would have done well, no, no doubt about it. I mean, Conor McGregor versus a broomstick probably would draw on pay-per-view. But now you've got Khabib having 
been exposed to a much broader base audience and suddenly you know just the dramatics behind this fight and and the, and the video of the of the uh you know bus attack you know and from all different angles it's taken the potential matchup between these two up not only one notch but i would say two notches i mean you know connor coming back to the cage you, you know that's probably good for anywhere between 750,000 to maybe a million pay-per-view buys now if marketed properly this could do anywhere between 1.2 to 1.5 million buys this suddenly is the biggest pay-per-view fight in mixed martial arts oh no question it's a it's a huge fight for for all parties involved but when I, you look at this situation sam it could have been a lot worse than what it was because everyone has seen the footage from inside of that that bus. There were people asking the driver to open those doors up. If that driver would have opened those doors up, Sam, this could have been one thousand times worse. Because who knows? Did, did were there people you know that were coming into that in that scene that you know were packing some heat? And I'm not talking about packing heat with punches with, with weapons. Um, you know, from from McGregor's aspect, that was a gang type mentality. Yeah, you know, we don't know, you know, ex I don't know exactly who was on that bus. I know all the fighters that were on the card, but I don't know uh, necessarily know the de delineation between red corner and blue corner that night. But, if, you know, if you have fighters coming from New York, if you have fighters from Philadelphia, um, you know, they don't need to get on a plane and try to get a gun through through security, you know, or a weapon through security. They just drive up and whatever's on them is on them. So that could have gotten Real ugly when you have a mob and someone throwing a, a, a dolly, a chair dolly through a window like that with shards of glass flying everywhere. You know, you don't know how someone's going to react to that situation. You have people on that bus saying they feared for their life. And sometimes when people have weapons and they fear for their life, they, they sometimes utilize uh, the weapons. So this could have been much worse. It is a black eye on the sport, but I think the Diaz brothers always say it best. It's not golf. It's not tennis. This is a fighting sport. So, you know, over the course of time, a lot of the shock value will blow over and this will be used for marketing purposes. That is why the UFC did not come out stronger with a reprimand against Conor McGregor because they knew full well right then and there that they were going to promote that fight, at least push for that fight. At the very least, they're going to promote Conor McGregor's return. Maybe logistically, the, the uh, Khabib fight doesn't get done from a contractual perspective. But you know, regardless of that, Conor's going to fight someone, and he's going to fight someone before the end of the year. Because as, as rich as he is, I can tell you that rich people typically do not like to write checks for non-tangible things. So even though Conor was in the wrong, you know, if the UFC comes to him and, you know, people come to him and say, hey, you know, a quick and easy way out of, of this and we'll take care of, you know, a lot of the liabilities for you is if you get back in the cage and fight for us. You know, we'll make a lot of this. We can make a lot of this stuff go away if you can do us, you know, if you can help us out. One hand washes the other. We need you back in the octagon and we need you back in the octagon soon. And I think Connor will look at that basically as a de facto settlement, even though it may not be a true legal settlement, uh, you know, he's going to, you know, allow the UFC to leverage that and get him back in there because there are some damages there. You have fighters not able to compete for a win bonus, not able to compete for a potential fight of the night bonus. You have medical issues, medical bills that need to get paid. And at the end of the day, everyone's going to point that finger at Conor McGregor. All the insurance companies are going to look at Conor McGregor. Maybe the insurance companies write some checks because that's their policy. But once they write those checks, they're going to look to sue on the UFC's behalf and try to recover some of those monies directly from Conor McGregor. The UFC may be in a position to make a lot of that go away. The legal issues, not necessarily, although Ari Emanuel is a major power broker with deep political connections. So they may even be able to help McGregor there. So I think over time, because this is not tennis, this is not golf, this is a fighting sport. And, you know, I, I, I hate to use the Gus Johnson line, but sometimes these things do happen in MMA. Uh, we haven't seen anything this egregious necessarily. But as you alluded to, Jason, it could have been a lot worse. There's nothing here that time won't heal. Nobody sustained a deep, life-threatening wound. No one, you know, is in uh, serious critical condition. Everyone can move on from this. One of the things I've said about Conor McGregor, um, when it comes to his friends, he's ride or die. 
You know, and I'm sure I'm sure there may be some people are listening audience that don't know that term. Basically, it's a, it, you know it's usually a term that this gets associated with your wife that you want that that girl that's going to be behind you no matter what. Well, Conor McGregor's a ride or die friend. He is going to protect his friends no matter what, even though it, it wasn't his best interest. But one of the things and one of the cliches and things we always say here on the podcast is we're not lawyers. But yeah. let's say Conor pleads guilty to a felony. How does that affect his work visa? For an average human being who travels to the United States regularly, a felony charge would be a huge blow to them. But Connor is not an average human being. Not everyone in that situation has the potential to generate hundreds of millions of dollars every time they come over here and perform in an athletic contest. Connor McGregor has that ability. And when you have that type of money behind you, people can look the other way. Certain people that have a rubber stamp in their possession can be compelled to stamp a document very easily. Visas are a are, are very interesting thing. I have some experience in dealing with them from my time at Bellator. And, you know, if you have the right connections, the right people with political clout, certain issues that you were initially told that would take two to three months to be cleared up, you make the right phone call that, you know, the right person's on the payroll, and suddenly those issues could be resolved just if, if they if they knew someone in Washington. Um, you know, that's just how it works. And, you know, a, a, a four and two fighter from, from France, you know, no one's going to make a call on that guy's behalf. But, you know, Conor McGregor, if Ari Emanuel utilizes his deep political connections, and when I talk about deep political connections, I'm not just talking about his brother, Rahm Emanuel, who was part of the Obama administration for the first couple of years. And now I believe it's still the mayor of Chicago. I mean, you know, Ari himself, just through his Hollywood connections and all the high level negotiations that he's done, I mean, he can pick up a phone called Donald Trump. You know, he could get that phone call gets taken. That's tremendous power right there. So there is going to be a lot of red tape, but those issues are going to go away. It may take some time for, you know, I think, uh, you know, certain politicians, certain people, uh, you know, in bureaucratic positions, they're not going to want to touch this right away. But in a couple of months, once it starts to blow over and die down a little bit, I think exceptions and exemptions will be made on behalf of Conor McGregor. Now, when we put out that we were going to be doing this podcast, uh, we got a couple people that, that sent in some questions and comments. And, and this is a comment about the Connor situation. This is from at ST underscore Halvard, who says, Challenge for UFC. The brand has to outlive McGregor, but McGregor's next fight will be money. Classic NFL team problem. Star versus long-term reputation slash business. UFC is a brand. Boxing promotions have never been brands. No easy solutions. Now, Sam, I, I saw some people kind of commenting this on Thursday and Friday, which, and I put this tweet out on Thursday. It didn't matter what any MMA reporter thought about this. Any person that that ran a MMA website was absolutely loving what was going on because they saw the massive amount of clicks that that were coming in into their website. Um, you know, and I saw some articles out there acting like Connor's never going to fight again because of this. I'm like, uh, do we not forget that Floyd Mayweather went to jail for domestic violence? Yeah. Do we not forget that Mike Tyson, who the UFC absolutely loves, went to prison for rape? Like, do people like imagine forget all this stuff? And and I don't want to. I hope we don't come off as apologists for Conor McGregor. What he did was horrible. It was it was ugly. It was a bad look for the sport, and someone seriously could have gotten hurt. Everyone was fortunate that this didn't turn out worse. But we have to keep it in perspective and compare it to some of the the horrible, atrocious things other professional athletes have done in much more mainstream sports here in the United States. You know, you mentioned uh, you know, uh, Floyd and, and you mentioned Tyson. Those are some horrific things. But, you know, look at look at Greg Hardy in the NFL. You know, uh, the vast majority of, of the teams did not want to touch him at that point, but it only took one team to bring him in. The Dallas Cowboys brought him in and they ended up letting him go, not because of what he did, because he wasn't performing at a high level and he was being a pain in the ass in the locker room. Had he performed and, and uh, you know, uh, 
recorded 12 sacks that year, uh, you know, in that, that lone season that he had for the Cowboys. They, Jerry Jones definitely would have brought him back. Look at Josh Gordon. And Josh Gordon, it's, it's, they're, they're nonviolent crimes. But look at how many times he has burned the Cleveland Browns. I mean, think about that. And they're still going to bring him back next year. Why? Because he's good at the game of football. So if, as an athlete, if you can perform as long as you haven't killed anyone or raped anyone, chances are you're going to get a second chance if you can still perform. And even if you did rape someone, in the case of Mike Tyson, you're still going to get some opportunities. Um, you know, somebody might say, well, what about Ray Rice? He never got another shot. Ray Rice, the real reason why he's not didn't get another shot in the NFL is because he couldn't play anymore. He was a, a running back on the wrong side of 30 or too close to the age of 30. Had he been 23, 24 and, and reeled off 1,600 or 1,800 yards uh, in, in his last season, you, you bet some teams would have brought him in and, and t- taken another look at him and given him another shot. You know, they, they, some teams did look into him, and I don't think they were happy with where he was athletically. They, they didn't think he could still play it at a very high level, and with all the baggage attached to him, they just didn't think it, it was worth it. So look at Michael Vick. Michael Vick got a second chance. You know, so, so uh, you know, what Conor McGregor did w- was horrible. It was messed up, but it pales in comparison to, to, to what other athletes have done in other sports. I mean, you know, you can throw Ben Roth, Roethlisberger out there. And granted, he was never convicted of anything, but he, he was accused of some pretty bad stuff. And, and, and the Steelers roll on with him like it's no big deal. So it's, uh, you know, it's it's just, uh, uh, you know, I, I think the shock value, seeing it on video, I think there were a lot of knee-jerk reactions out there. Oh, yeah. I mean, and, and look, video is everywhere. And as someone who... Um, is in an NFL stadium 20 weeks a year. I can tell you there are cameras everywhere. Um, you know, and look, you, you can't, you know, look, Connor did an awful thing here. No question. You know, we're not defending Connor McGregor here. He did an awful thing. Um, you know, part of this is I, I wonder who in Team McGregor is that calming voice. Um, you know, because obviously that was an emotional person who let his emotions get the best of him. You know, I think that's something question there. Uh, we got this question from Wait, at Jason. Dur- what, what, I want to take a step back and there's some conspiracy theorists out there. And I think those guys are crazy thinking that this was staged while, while, while I don't think it was staged. I don't know if it was necessarily a true spur of the moment irrational outburst. You know, I think McGregor knew and made a decision even before he got on the plane to the United States that he was going to confront someone from from Khabib's camp. I mean, he, he I think he knew he was going to do something. I don't I, you know, maybe he didn't know until that moment exactly what he was going to do. But I think he planned on a confrontation for and, and been and contemplating that for at least several days. But but my thing is, where is the person in Team McGregor? No that one. can sit there. There's and, no one. It's a, it's a, it's look, Jason. This guy. I mean, there's people that probably would traditionally make maybe twelve dollars an hour that are probably making six figures just by being attached to him. Um, there, there's no one that's going to tell Conor McGregor no. No one. Yeah. No. I mean, and, and you know, and this is the question I was going to bring up from at Dirty Bird Two One Two, where he says, "Do you think Conor needs a brain scan? Like, there's something wrong in his head from fighting, or is it just the fame has gotten to him?" Um, look, he, I, think he needs, I think he needs a drug test. Uh, you know, I think even Dana White dropped something in one of his interviews. Um, and there's been rumors out there, you know, and, and you know, it, it's it's not something that normally we'd like to, to speculate on and, and put conjecture out there because it puts us in a legal liable uh, situation. But, you know, let's get the let's put it out there because it's out there publicly. It would be kind of crazy for us not to talk about. It. But there's been rumors of, that Connor has a has a coke issue. Um and I'm not saying that he does have an issue. I'm not saying that that played a role necessarily in this incident. But, you know, it's it's interesting where there's smoke, there's fire. Um, and I would have to go back and get the exact Dana White quote. But, I, you know, I, I believe he did allude to, to some kind of issue there. You know, and, and Connor does need to get checked out. And he does need to take a step back because – you know, going back to what you said, Jason, this could have been a lot worse. You know, a, a, a huge shard of glass could have struck somebody in the neck. They could have bled out. That dolly, instead of bouncing off the window, could have went through the window and hit someone in the head. Someone could have gotten off that bus and there could have been mob violence and someone could have got stomped on. You know, it just it, it, it could have been, you know, much, much worse. And, you know, he'll get out of this and 
you know, he may not even have to write a check. There might be people willing to write a check on his behalf if he's willing to get back in the cage sooner rather than later. But this, it, you know, if he doesn't check himself, he's going to find himself in a, in a situation where he can't get get himself out of. I mean, there were those rumors that, you know, last year he was at a bar and, uh, you know, pissed off a, a, a well-known, you know, Irish gangster. You know, I don't and, you know, everybody tried to downplay that uh, later on. But, you know, what, what if he is pissing off the wrong people? Yeah, I mean, I, I think one of the things that kind of comes to my mind is, is this scenario where, you know, he's arrested and has all these charges he's facing, is this kind of a rock bottom type moment? Um, and maybe does this wake him up of, you know, look, I mean, he's he's made a lot of money over the past couple of years, um, you know, fighting Mayweather and also fighting in the UFC. I mean, I, I think that's where... You know, if you're in, in his management, you got to be looking and saying, man, you know, you could be throwing everything away. Yes. You know, you don't want to be Johnny Menzel, where you 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 take on that persona and it, it, it takes you right out of the game to it gets you to a point where no one wants to, to, to work with you or you 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 get yourself in a position where you do something, you cross the line and it's so egregious that now you're you're locked up. You know, now now even people that would like to work with you, they, they can't work with you because you're you're you've had your rights taken away from you and you're you're incarcerated, you know, and you know, it's I, I don't know I don't know what's fact from fiction in this. I don't know if if Connor went there with the purpose of creating an incident and trying to turn it into a money making situation and, and, and add more hype to a fight. Uh, and do something for media attention, or if it, if he does totally have a screw loose. Yeah, I don't know. And only the people around him w- would know that situation. But we both know. I mean, the UFC needs Connor. As you mentioned a little while ago, this is a critical year for the UFC. Um, you know, we're at the beginning of April, and they don't have a TV deal, Sam. And I, and I look at this, and you look at what the WWE is doing. You look at bringing Ronda in. Um, just just saw a little earlier this morning, Bobby Lashley's now back in, in the WWE. Um, and and you, you see the rumors out there about you know Fox talking to the WWE about trying to bring in their television rights. And you know, and I've said this when when you hear the, r- the rumblings that Fox is only throwing out an offer of $250 million a year, if I am another media partner, a media company and I see this, I'm sitting there going if the current, you know, rights holder only thinks they're valued at 250 million a year, why am I going to blow that offer out of the water just to get the UFC? Right, because you know, you look at athletes in their contract year, in the off season leading up to that, they typically pull out all the stops. They get in the best shape of their lives. You know, you always hear that in the media. Oh, so and so is in the best shape of his life. They hire you know special you know track coaches, speed coaches, strength and conditioning coaches. They start a new diet. They hire nutritionists. They spare no expense. They get in the best shape of their life and put themselves in a position where they can have the best year possible in their contract year, going into negotiations for a new deal. And, you know, some guys flop, but a lot of those guys, they, they, they get paid massively, uh, you know, based on, you know, accelerating their performance in the last year of their contract. And, and they see it as a huge money-making opportunity. The UFC, you know, as, as an equivalent, hasn't really done any of that stuff. They really have not stepped up their game at all or done anything special to draw bigger ratings or bring more attention to their product. I mean, they kind of fell into the Connor. McGregor thing. That was Connor's camp that really pushed for that fight, and the UFC went along with it. It wasn't like the UFC, you know, had a, had a big boardroom meeting, a big discussion, and they were they were spitballing ideas. And someone said, "Hey, you know what we should do? We should try to push for a Connor fight versus uh, versus Mayweather." Um, you know that that was Connor pushing for that fight, and Mayweather pushing for that fight, and the UFC deciding to to not you know go against the tide and deciding instead to go along with it and try to make some money while they're in the process. So they they really haven't done anything major, and the ratings are sagging. They they are sagging this year. You know you would have thought that maybe they would have taken a couple fights that they normally would have put on pay per view and kind of hot shotted a couple of those fights and put them on Fox and tried to pop a huge rating and try to really you know 
overinflate their ratings. You know, try, try to really massage the numbers there and, and bring them up higher to give themselves more leverage going into this year. And they didn't do anything like that, you know, and, and it's surprising because Ariel Manuel, he, he's a shrewd guy. He's one of the smartest people that you're going to find out there that in Hollywood. He, he's made a, a career over extracting as much money from business partners for, for entertainment properties as possible. And he hasn't even done anything like that with his own company, which is just – it's mind-boggling. It really it, – it's, it's, it's hard to explain. I, I just think maybe that they, they are overvaluing their product and they are not seeing their product from the eyes of the outside, that they are have a very myopic view of it and they're looking at it strictly internally and they are overvaluing – their assets. They're overvaluing what they bring to a network. I think that maybe they're just making the assumption that, oh, hey, live sports is big right now. It's DVR proof. It's DVR proof. And that was maybe, you know, the mindset maybe, you know, a year and a half, two years ago. But a lot of that is fading. You know, people are getting away from tags and hype and they're just looking at straight results, straight ratings. And the UFC's ratings are poor right now. They are absolutely poor. The fact that WWE has gotten as much interest as they have from Fox is at least as much reported interest. And look, I shouldn't even say reported interest. We've seen their executives at ringside for WWE events. I mean, there are negotiations going on and whether or not they're a ploy to give Fox leverage in their negotiations with the UFC, I, you know, that that was one thought at one point. But I, I think that there is a real strong interest in bringing WWE to Fox. And the fact that R- Rousey's there, Brock just got re-signed, you know, WWE, a lot of things are going right for them. A lot of, They're trending upward while the UFC is trending downward. And if I'm Fox and I'm looking at things from a pure ratings perspective – WWE is going to bring more ratings to my to my network than than the UFC right now, and it's not even close. And you know, some people might say, "Well, it's wrestling; it's not a real sport; it's 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 choreographed." If I'm Fox at this point, and I you know FS1, and I'm struggling to 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 draw ratings against a very vulnerable ESPN right now, I don't care where those ratings are coming from. I mean, look, I've always, I mean, the WWE and the UFC, it's entertainment. One is a sport and one is scripted programming, but they're both entertainment. You want, if you're going to sit down on your, on your couch and watch something, you want to be entertained. Um, I actually, I did buy the pay per view, uh, this past weekend. Um, obviously I was much more excited, you know, uh, you know, six days before the event than I ultimately was, uh, the day of the event. But I've always said this, my perspective on, where the UFC is is a little different because I do run marketing for a restaurant group and one of our properties is a sports bar. And we have bought UFC pay-per-views in the past. I mean, to be honest, with you, we bought them straight every month for two plus years. Um, we have not bought a pay-per-view since January. Um, and, and the reason for that is simply due to the fact of people aren't coming in like they once did to watch MMA events. And, you know, look, it, there's a oversaturation of the product. There's no question about that. Uh, you have to get the, the fan base excited. So, I don't blame Fox for maybe looking at the WWE and saying, you know what, maybe this is what is better for us long term as opposed to the UFC. Um, you know, and I just, you know, there's players out there that people are talking about the UFC. You know, Turner gets brought up a lot. I don't, I don't see Turner as a, a, a realistic option. No, and the people that I've spoken to, they, they you know, because they're going through a, a you know merger situation with, with AT and T, the, the funds right aren't there right now. They don't have the ability to go out and, and, and make a deal right now. They they just don't. You know, there are reports that a couple of the, the uh, Turner sports execs are, really like the UFC and they're interested. Keep in mind though, this I've ta- spoken to other people. I believe that the, uh, Turner's uh, actively involved in an e league, uh, an esports league. And from what I've been told, Ari Emanuel is one of their business partners in that E-League. So if, if Ari Emanuel needed to have something floated out there, it would be very easy for him to you know, talk to his buddies over at Turner and have that leaked out there. You know, the other rumor is that NBC may have some interest as well. I've spoken to people there and said, you know, maybe there's been some talks, but there's not serious interest from NBC right now. Nothing is imminent. Um, and you would have to think that if the UFC – 
did strike a deal with with NBC, and yes, they would probably have four or five dates on you know NBC Network proper. What would happen to them though if they were on NBC Sports Network? I mean, you look at their ratings now. You know, Fox Sports One not necessarily the, the most accessible. Uh, in comparison to ESPN, but Fox Sports 1 is much more accessible than NBC Sports Network. NBC Sports Network is very lowly rated. Not as bad as CBS Sports Network, but, uh, uh, you know, when the Olympics aren't on, you know, who's watching NBC Sports Network? You know, uh, it's just... uh, I don't know if NBC is the right partner. I don't know if that's a good fit. And, you know, if this... If if Fox... You know, you would think, you know, if Fox is smart, they would try to do a deal with both the UFC and WWE... Because you're not going to have Monday Night Raw and SmackDown on FS1 Monday and Tuesday nights. The the belief is that uh, you know Raw would be on Big Fox, so that's only one night of programming. You know maybe you do a deal and you get NXT and you put that on Wednesday nights. But there's definitely still room for the UFC, uh, you know, on on the program schedule for for both those properties. The question is, you know, is there enough money, uh, you know, to, to afford both? And if there's not, and the deal is struck with WWE by Fox and the offer to the UFC gets pulled. The, it's a doomsday situation for the UFC. They will be in massive, massive trouble. Ari Emanuel is taken a major risk by not taking that deal when it was first offered to them. And if it's really has gone up to 250 million, I would say he's crazy for not taking that because if that deal gets pulled, that that's, I mean, the UFC is, is almost dead in the water and you know, they'll have no one to blame but themselves, because the way they have run things since taking over, the way WME has run things since taking over for the Fertitas, is it's been piss poor. It's been absolutely terrible. I, I really feel like the UFC is in dire need, whether they're going to acknowledge it or not, they are in dire need of new leadership. You know, Ari Emanuel is running a lot of different things at one time. They need someone there that's a true CEO that has a vision that can transition the UFC from what it is now into something that gets people more excited and gets more people talking. I really believe that less is more right now for the UFC. And by doing all of these shows, they have run their product into the ground. They're driving the sport down. You know, a lot of people that were once very passionate about the sport of MMA, people with deep ties and deep, deep roots into this business, into this sport, they, they, they just don't have the interest level anymore. And I think the UFC is a big reason for that. And they've got to start making changes. They have to make changes to how they treat the fighters. They've got to start being a more fighter-forward organization. The, the fighters are their greatest athlete. They need to, the, the, great, the athletes are their greatest asset. They need to start uh, enacting policies that are more fighter-friendly. And they've got to change their format. They've got to, they cannot keep doing things the same way, getting bad results, and expect to get better results. They've got to change the product. They've got to transition, uh, and they need leadership and a vision that can transition them into a new a new vision, and they don't have that right now. And I would even go so far as to say, I don't know if Dana White, if, if I, I think maybe he has outlived his usefulness. He does not have the decision-making power that he once had, but even as a public figure, as a public brand, as a, as a, a figurehead, I think he has devalued himself greatly with a lot of the a lot of the statements that he makes. You know, a lot of the statements that he makes, you know, they prove to be less than truthful and that really hurts his credibility. I mean, I, what was he thinking by going on national TV saying that that the tourism board of Hawaii killed that event? You know, they, they, they were asking for more money. The UFC was asking for more money that was even allotted in the, the, the tourism budget. You know, they, they, they asked for four million more than what the, the, the tourism board offered. And if you don't want to take the deal, don't take the deal. But don't come out and make the tourism board look awful because now if you want to do go back to the table and revisit that possibility and try to do an event, you've just pissed them off. Oh, uh, that, that, it, that $2 million offer is no longer on the table. Right. Like, why, you know, so, so why does he do these things? I, the, the, when, when he makes these false statements and misleads people and is quickly exposed, he kills his credibility. He just kills his. And, it, and the stuff with Brock saying he didn't know Brock was wrestling at WrestleMania. You know, why, is, is he saying that because, you know, Ronda is super sensitive and, you know, only wants to believe that Dana White's going for him, uh, for her? And not for not for for Brock, or is it 
you know, the the renegotiations to get Brock back in, maybe they didn't start off well, and that's Dana's, you know, way of taking a veiled shot at Brock. I, yeah, I, you know, regardless of why he said it, saying it is just stupid. Brock is one of the most famous athletes that have ever competed in his cage, and he knows he splits time between the Octagon and WWE. He knows Brock is the biggest star in, in WWE right now. And he, he, he doesn't think that Brock might not be on the card of the biggest event of the year for WWE. You know, why is he saying these things? Yeah, I mean, it, it's tough to take Dana Dana serious. Uh, in terms of, of what uh, Endeavor had... take him serious, what purpose does he serve? Yeah, no, but... You know, mean, does, he, does he have some kind of vision that's taking the, the UFC from its current position where they're in some serious trouble, the ratings are sagging, everything's trending downward? Has he done anything or introduced any new initiative that, that is going to get the UFC out of this? Yeah, that that's a big question mark. But one of the things that really hasn't been talked about a lot is an acquisition that Endeavor did make recently, and that's purchasing New Lion. Um, and we got this question from... Weezy 2 saying, do we think Endeavor's purchase of New Alliance makes it less likely that they will sell their streaming rights? No, I think that the current group, WME, I don't think they place a great value in the UFC as an OTT play. And I don't think that's real. the real reason why they brought in New Alliance. You know, they have other sports properties. They have the E-League, uh, you know, investments that they've made they have you know the the bull riding they have some other sports properties that they've they've gotten into and that they're looking to get into so i think it's mainly going to be for those properties which aren't 100 percent mainstream and may not have major rights fee deals on the table this gives them potentially an option to create some kind of distribution network on their own where they could charge the customer direct you know, as much as as people from the outside might think that it's a logical play for them to try to incorporate some of that technology and that and that philosophy uh, and, and transfer it over to, 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 to UFC. You know, there's nothing that I've seen WME since they've taken over. It's nothing that I've seen from them that shows me that they're at least the least bit interested in growing fight pass and and. and improving the UFC's position from an OTT perspective. I mean, they, they, they kind of missed out on that. The time to have done that was two years ago to really fully invest in that leading up to these TV negotiations. Anything that they would do now would, would really the, – the, the effect, the impact of the, you know, the, the return of investment would happen after the new TV rights fee deal will have already been you know, signed. So they really needed this two years ago to have a legitimate option – uh, create self-leverage for themselves over the, the networks because right now they don't have that that leverage. I mean, people can say whatever they want about Vince McMahon, but you know, if if they're not happy with dollar figures that they get from a network and there's no other networks bidding on them, they can still tell that one network, hey, we've got our network. We're just going to take Raw and SmackDown and we're just going to put it on our own network and we're going to ch- create new premium packages for $19.95 to $29.95 a month. And, you know, that's at least something that, a, that, a, that a, a, a network has to think about, you know, has to worry about. The UFC can't do that. They don't have that, that option. They should have built up Fight Pass much bigger than what it is right now because they could be using it right now as a tool to draw more money out of networks because they don't have a lot of active suitors in their product right now. And they need that. I can tell you, I have a Fight Pass subscription. I couldn't tell you the last time I went on it. That's scary, Jason. You know, uh, the, uh, you know, and the, the word on the street is they're trying to sell a lot of that content uh, that they use for Fight Pass. They're trying to sell it to a streaming network as a secondary TV package, maybe to an Amazon, maybe to a Netflix. You know, take the Dana White Contender series or Dana White looking for a fight, and even rights to the the library of the old fights. Trying to package that all together and sell that to uh, you know basically a license agreement to an Amazon to to a, to a Netflix um you know whether or not they're going to be successful who knows you mentioned about television ratings just to note the prelims from Saturday 892,000 viewers for average on the 2 hours Bellator man Sam uh a four straight show under 500,000 viewers I I've talked about this on my other podcasts and you know, and you try to say, well, you know, well, why aren't people watching? And it's not just a, a UFC or, or a Bellator problem. I, I just, I group it all in one. It's an MMA issue that, as an industry, we, we currently face where, 
you know, the, the question of why aren't fans watching it? And I think there's multiple reasons. Uh, the fact of, I think sometimes promotions just don't do a good job of, of getting people interested in a product on Bellator's aspect. Uh, you know, look, being on tape delay doesn't help. Um, you know, especially when there are people out there that'll put results out on, on social media that, that doesn't oh help the gosh. Bellator, yeah. that doesn't help the Bellator product. And I'm probably sure that, um, that person's managing editor who, is a, a very uh, familiar website. Probably got a phone call from Bellator on Friday about that. And, and I've said this. But, you know, and, there, Jay, I want to say, though, you know, sorry to cut you off, but isn't that a, you know, to me, that's a conflict of interest. When that reporter only puts out, I mean, and I, from my understanding, that was the only result he put out there, correct? Correct. Just the main correct. event. Yes. So why, if you're not covering the whole card, why, you know, and you're not doing that for the, the whole card and covering it as a news event and using that as, as your defense, why are you putting out just one fight, and why is it just the main event when your company has a good relationship with the UFC? You know, isn't that, you know, it, it only, it, you know, you want to talk about conspiracy theories? You know, it, it, is that a situation where that result was just put out there to hurt the UFC, to hurt the Bellator ratings because they have a good relationship with the UFC? I mean, that to me reeked of, of an Eric Bischoff move. Hey, I'm gonna, le- I'm gonna put the result out there so I can hurt, you know, the, my my competitors' ratings. I will say this as a, from a reporter's aspect, I understand why you want to put this out there. However, I know in, you know, asking my followers on Twitter in the past, do you want to know these results? And the overwhelming response was no. It's not on television. I want to wait until it, it actually happens. I think the way around it is you create a, a, a post on the website you work for that doesn't have a headline that tells you exactly what happened. And you tweet out a link. Hey, if you want to know what happened today at Bellator 196, hit this link. Results available there. To me, that's the way you do it because ultimately, if you're going to put results out there for an event and tape delay in North America, you're going to piss off more people than you're going to be interested. And and look, I'll say this. I I, I did watch the, the fights on, on Friday night. Benson Henderson looked tremendous. It was by far. He needed to. He needed. Oh, I mean, it it was. I mean, and he weighed in. I don't. I I can't recall Benson Henderson ever weighing at 153 pounds weighing in, which is kind of. I don't know. Maybe you know he didn't have a scale in his his hotel room that maybe wasn't, uh, you know, set properly. But he he looked great. But you know, Bellator's now had four shows in a row under 500,000 viewers. You know, that's not a good sign. There's talk about. The potential merger between Viacom and CBS. I saw an article uh, on on social media yesterday about the fact of basically Viacom looking for more money than what the initial offer was. Uh, we got a question from uh, at Andrew UBIL saying, "Do we think the CBS Viacom merger or land Bellator on CBS making comparable to UFC on Fox?" Uh, you know, I could, in a way, I could see it happen. But if I'm CBS and I look at the viewership from Spike slash Paramount Network, would they be all in on that? I want to backtrack real quick. Just want to make sure, you know, when I was the publisher of Five Ounces of Pain dot com, we did cover tape delayed events and overseas events as a news event, and we reported on the results. But we told everyone that we were going to report on it as a sporting, a true sporting event, and that we were going to. Uh, you know, put the results up as they happen and don't come to the site if you don't want it spoiled. Um, this is a little different story, though, when you're not giving people that fair warning and then you're only covering the one fight. That, to me, is the issue. Why? You know, if you're going to make the defense that this is a sporting event, it's happening, we're going to put the results up as it happens, but you're covering the whole show as, as an event and not just focusing on one fight and spoiling a TV main event. Um, that that's a little different to me. Now, with regards to the uh, merger talks and CBS, you know, between CBS and Viacom, really re-merger talks. They were once the same company before. National amuse- Amusements has an 80% interest in both of them. Um, you know, it's it's interesting. You know, I wouldn't put too much stock into the dollar figures and and, and Viacom floating a below market offer out there. That you know, could just be negotiation tactics. Um, you know, you don't come in with your best offer and that could, could have been a message to CBS, you know, I mean, uh, CBS going to Viacom by, by lowballing Viacom and saying, Hey, you know, you're not in a position of strength here. Um, 
you know, you're not going to get above market value. So we're going to start to, you know, you know, we're not going to offer one figure and then you throw out a, a large figure and then us meet in the middle and it's still a great number for you. We're going to come in really low and set the table there. So I still think a deal will get done. That's just the way the industry is constructed right now. It's so tough for a lot of these entertainment conglomerates to compete. They need to, the only way for them really to grow at this point is but through mergers and acquisitions. Um, you know, you saw, you know, Fox trying to sell a lot of its assets to Disney and maybe some of those uh, assets are going to wind up in the hands of NBC, uh, Comcast. But, you know, there has been speculation that if a deal gets done between CBS and Viacom, that this could be a major lifeline for Bellator. I'm not so sure about that. Kelly Call, who is now the president of, of CBS Entertainment, you know, is a huge MMA fan. He was a big proponent, maybe the proponent for Elite XC and later Strike Force being televised on CBS on primetime, uh, in primetime on Saturday nights. I mean, that, that, you know, Kelly Call, I, you know, as far as I know, was the guy. He was the guy that, you know, you know, initiated that, 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 those talks and, you know, made that deal happen. I know he's an MMA fan, but he, he his power base has gone up, you know, tenfold since then. I think at the time he was just in charge of primetime television when Elite XC first, you know, transitioned over to, to CBS and got that deal. Now he is the president of all CBS entertainment. You know, he, he's, he, he is, he, you know, has even more power and, even though he has a ton of power, even he has a boss, you know, and even, you know, it's a, it's a great position for him to be in. He's making a ton of money. He is one of the most powerful men in the TV, in the uh, entertainment industry. But, you know, even he has a boss, even he's accountable to somebody. And based on that, I don't know if he's going to stick his neck out for Bellator, especially when they're not lighting up the Nielsen's and they've done under a hundred five under, under 500,000 viewers for their last four events. I don't see him bringing, a product that's like this right now, that's essentially lowly rated. I don't see him bringing that over and putting that on network television. So, you know, I don't see CBS potentially being a savior for Bellator and, you know, it could go one of two ways. Yes. Kelly call could make that, that leap and decide that, Hey, he believes that, you know, under a, on, on a larger stage, you know, Bellator is going to shine and pull in great ratings with, with big fights on Saturday nights again for, for CBS or someone, you know, on the CBS level might start going through the Viacom books and they start might they start might they might start making cuts, layoffs, cutting programming, you know, cutting, you know, departments and they may look at the line item for for an MMA promotion, uh, you know, in their books and say why are we spending so much money on this and you know, maybe Bellator could leave the graces of, of Viacom. You know, I don't know how, but, you know, th this acquisition, it, it could go one of two ways, you know, or Kelly Call could say, you know what, I do want to get back in the MMA business. And Ari Emanuel just called me and, you know, the UFC is looking for a partner and we're going to have some additional, you know, cable outlets and some additional programming to fill, you know, with this Viacom acquisition. Let's give the UFC four events on CBS and then try to get, you know, 20 plus events on our other, you know, cable platforms. And, you know, maybe let's try to get some of these, you know, old fights onto our CBS streaming network, you know, so it's, 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 it could go three different ways. You know, it could go, yes, Bellator, no Bellator, um, or, Hey, the UFC is also available. We were thinking about Bellator. Why go with Bellator when we can get a higher rated product and bring that in? Uh, that's really readily available right now. So a lot of major changes are going to happen here in the coming months. And if, if, uh, you know, if Ari Emanuel and WME, if they lose out on the Fox deal, you've got to think that they're going to call CBS and, and try to, you know, maybe get CBS interested, even though there is no interest, you know, at this point and there are no talks, but they're going to start looking to some uh, other options and try to turn over, you know, leave no st stone unturned uh, in this situation. So, I, you know, I, I see a situation where, you know, I would say maybe a year and a half from now, there is not both the UFC and Bellator out there. I think that we're going to see some consolidation in the marketplace. There's just not a high enough level of interest in MMA right now to support all of these events that both the UFC and Bellator are producing right now. I said so to somebody earlier today, Sam. I said if I was Scott Coker, I'd be lining up investors to potentially buy Bellator. 
because yeah. I, I yeah. think, you know, I mean, this could be, I mean, you know, he doesn't have an ownership in Bellator like he did Strike Force. It, it could be a nurse scenario like that for him. I mean, I, I will say this last week uh, when I was looking for some Bellator uh, content for the MMA Report, um, I went to their YouTube channel and there was, I saw a, a lack of, of coverage for last week's card in Budapest. And I think that, you know, Bellator, I think, has to look at themselves in the mirror and say, okay, what are we, uh, you know, what are we not doing to, and how can we promote the product? I mean, you could look at the UFC the same exact way. Um, but, you know, at the end of the day, you just got, you got to put together fights that, um, people are going to be interested in, um, you know, Scott, uh, recently talked about that, you know, they are trying to work to end tape delay. I mean, you, you look at their, the, the Bellator 200 show, uh, which is slated to be a tape delay show and it's, you know, some of their biggest stars in the promotion. And, you know, I look at that, Sam, and I just go, you know, I, I you know, it's 2018, but Jason ending tape delay is that really going to make that much of a difference? Because these events that are done overseas, they are not stacked events. You know, maybe you get a, a B-plus main event if you're lucky, but typically the undercards are not anything special. So let's say, so let's just say you do air one of these international events with the lineups comprised the, the way they are, and you air it live at 10 a.m. or 2 p.m. or 4 p.m. on a Friday or a Thursday instead of holding it to, to, uh, until primetime. How much, you know, are the ratings going to be that much better? I, I don't think it'd be much better. I mean, one of the things I was thinking of is why not put it on your Bellator app? Because you can't watch Bellator shows on their app. You just have to sign in via your, your television provider. Why not do it that way? The fact that you got to sign in your television provider. But you're cannibalizing your audience and you're not making the the revenue by putting it live on your app. How are you going to generate revenue by doing a live fight card on your app? Oh, look, I mean, I, I think that if I was them, I would do a one show test run and just see how many people tune in on, you know, an internet stream of an international event live. And, and but, you have to monet- the- but you still have to monetize that. Oh, I know. I get that. I, I fully understand that you got to monetize it, but um, I, I do believe that tape delay has hurt Bellator o- over the last two years. I think there's other factors that have hurt them. And I think, you know, we've talked about this in the past. I believe Scott Coker should be out there more in front of a lot of things than, than what he is um, in, in doing interviews and getting people excited about their fights but at the end of the day you just got to put on fights that fans want to see and fans are going to go out of their way to to find the bellator product i think they've got to get away for the from these international shows i'm sure that they're either breaking even or making a little bit of money because i believe that these are bought shows i don't think the i don't think bellator's going overseas and investing all of this money i think that they're they're uh, going over because they they have promoters willing to pay and foot the bills for these shows, and it's a way to uh, exercise fights on their contract and, and keep guys, uh, you know, uh, active and, and make sure they're not uh, in default of anybody's contract and giving them the required number of fights. And they're satisfying, you know, dates that they owe to 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 to, uh, to Paramount TV and, and, and Viacom. But at the end of the day, I don't see these events helping Bellator grow. I think that they need to. You know, the less is more for the UFC. I think less is more for Bellator as well. I think they should go down to 12 to 14 events. Stop delineation between A and B shows. No more 10-pole events. Every show that they do has a real main event. They have enough talent now. They have enough fighters where they can make sure that every show that they're offering is A quality. You have a real big main event and a real big co-main event. And you do that for 12 to 14 shows a year. You know, you get your big monthly Bellator show and you, you, you know you have three to four weeks to promote each and every show. And they're taking place here in the U.S., here in North America, where media can cover them, uh, where it's accessible to, to the press. And you get back to basics. I think that they are... You know, I think the business model right now and a lot of the decisions they're making, I, I think that they're they're not the right decisions. And we talked about the UFC, how, you know, they're they're, they're uh, really trending downward and they're doing the same thing over and over again. It's time for them to make changes. It's time for Bellator to make changes as well. Yeah, and, and we'll, we'll see if that happens. You know, one of the things about Bellator International Events, very highly known, that uh, they hired the Mohegan Tribe Department of Athletic Regulations to oversee those events. Uh, I believe they did one event where uh, it was regulated by the ISKA, 
um, which uh, you know is run by the Regulatory Affairs. And we got this question from uh, at Invictorious said, "How influential is or was ISKA on MMA?" And I guess the best way I can put it is that you know Bellator went away from them after one event and brought in a, a, an ABC commission. Yeah, the ISKA not very influential in the growth of MMA here in North America. I mean, you know, when the first UFC event, which was done in 1993, you know, the people behind that were Brazilian jiu-jitsu, you know, practitioners. It was the Gracie family. You know, it was the Gracie family and Art Davey that really brought MMA here to North America. Um, So if you're going to look at a traditional martial art, uh, you know, a martial arts organization that was behind uh, the growth of MMA, it's Brazilian jiu-jitsu, obviously also Art Davey. But looking at the actual martial art behind it, it was jiu-jitsu that kind of brought this to the table. You know, it was was an extension of the Gracie Challenge, the, the dojo challenges that would take place in Brazil. You know, there was some karate involvement and some, uh, you know, traditional martial arts involvement in, in the fact that, you know, there were there were no true mixed martial art artists back in 1993. You know, you were a traditional martial artist. You either came from boxing, wrestling, karate, uh, savat, you know, you know, a, a true uh, specialized martial art. Um, you know, Keith Hackney, I believe, you know, represented karate. Um, but as a governing body as a as an association you know the iska iska or any karate association really uh had no involvement in the the development and growth of of mma and in fact if you look at karate as a traditional martial art here in the united states it actually was anti-mma for quite some time you know a lot of people that uh expressed an interest from the karate community in mma that wanted to compete and cross over they were advised not to and many people that kind of migrated from karate over into mma they were actually ostracized from the traditional martial arts community because i think a lot of karate schools a lot of karate associations looked at MMA and they saw it as a major threat. They told a lot of their students that, hey, this MMA thing's a fad. It is not a practical form of self-defense when in reality it was the exact opposite. Karate as a uh, martial arts style, as a street uh, self-defense uh, practice was actually becoming obsolete. It wasn't MMA. MMA, you know, what the, I guess the, the that gets the founders and the uh, presidents and the senseis of a lot of these and the sifus of a lot of these traditional martial arts. What they failed to realize, MMA itself was not a, a martial art. It was a freestyle form of fighting that allowed for any type of martial arts technique to be introduced. There were no limitations. There was no one saying, hey, you can't do that because that's not a proper form. You can't use that kung fu uh, style or that stance because that's this is karate and you, you can't use that stance. All of that got thrown out a window. All of the fixed positions, all the katas, all the – the uh, tradition was thrown out, and it was a freestyle fighting technique that, and a philosophy that can pro- that allowed you to introduce any technique that you thought was effective into your fighting style. And I think a lot of the traditional martial arts, uh, you know, didn't understand that. They feared it. They told everyone that, hey, it's not effective. You can't use it in a street environment. When in reality, you can't use traditional martial arts in a lot of instances in a practical street environment. You might be a karate black belt, but if you're in in a a street situation and you get taken down by someone and you're on the ground, you know, you're going to panic and you're not going to know what to do. So, um, yeah, so, so I don't know, I don't, you know, I respect Julian, but I'm not sure why he asked that question because outside of maybe sanctioning a few amateur MMA events in, in, in the, in the Midwest and some events here and there, some pro events here and there, um, you know, the ISK got used as a sanctioning body in certain States where, where MMA wasn't legal, but they needed to have someone, uh, preside over it from a sanctioning perspective. Um, outside of that, I don't see ISK having much of an influence over MMA. Yeah, when that question came in, I was just kind of more uh, more surprised about it. Uh, final yeah. thing, final thing it was, to. But uh, it's good to get those questions. You know? Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, final thing to mention: uh, you mentioned Brock a little earlier on uh, Monday. WWE came out and said that they had a new contract with Brock. Uh, I thought the interesting part of this that uh, the length of that contract was not noted. Um, a lot of people basically are noting that uh, the feeling is he's going to drop his title uh, later on this month and then uh, really going to then set up 
him to fight the winner of Miocic and Cormier at the end of the year. Of course, part of that Brock has to go into the USADA pool. I've seen people tweet about this, tweet to me of how Brock uh, does look much smaller yeah, than, yeah. than what than what he's been. Um, you know, look, His physique um, is changing. The the UFC needs him. He does. You know, I believe he's going to have to go through at least six months. Uh, of USADA testing, um, and uh, but it, it's it's really interesting. As look, I'm someone that that doesn't doesn't uh, watch wrestling anymore. Maybe every once in a while I'll turn it on. Uh, but it is interesting to me of, of how much of a, a cross there is between uh, the WWE and, and MMA when you look at Brock, Ronda, and Bobby Lashley. And it's interesting you bring up Bobby Lashley. I've known for about three months that he was going to WWE. It was not a well kept secret. Uh, within the wrestling industry, um, but I, you know, I couldn't say anything because I was sworn to secrecy. Uh, you know, but Bobby is now in WWE, and I don't know if he has any fights left under his Bellator deal. I think maybe he has one at most. But I was told that once he was in WWE, that would effectively end his career in Bellator. So you know, he, he may not be able to fight outside of Bellator M- and MMA. But while he is with WWE, you will not see him compete for Bellator. Um, that's why you haven't seen him in the past several months. That's why he wasn't involved in the heavyweight tournament. And you're not going to see him in Bellator as long as he's with WWE. And I can tell you this, if he is able to get out of his Bellator deal, if he's already free somehow or he will be free in the future, there is a very real possibility we will see Bobby Lashley also in the octagon, similar to how we see Brock Lesnar occasionally in the octagon. Yeah, it's uh, it's just it's very interesting how that, that plays out, and uh, you know, it, potentially the end of the year could be a very big uh, end of the year for the UFC pay per view eyes if they can make Connor and Khabib, and uh, you can have Brock headline a show. It, it could be a, a very good end of the year for the promotion. They they need it. They need it right now because they don't really have any major fights on the books right now outside of you know, Cormier versus Miosic. I mean, what, you know, name, name a second fight, a big fight, Jason, that they have signed right now, guaranteed, ready to go. There isn't one. I mean, and, I, there, I, and there was a time where, you know, you know, six to eight months out, you knew where all the big fight, you not only knew what the big fights were, you knew where they were, where it was going to be televised. I mean, you know, the Fertitas had everything, you know, mapped out and it's just, uh, the way WWE, WME is running this, it's just it's. I don't understand it at times, Jason. I just don't. I wish I wish someone could explain it to me. I mean, I'm just looking at on UFC.com. Um, yeah, I look. I like Saturday's main event, a uh, uh, Poye and Gaethje. Well, that's gonna be a great um, fight, but it's not. It's not a. It's not a major. You know, it's yeah, not a yeah, major yeah. Pay-per-view fight for them. Yeah, I know. I mean, it's like in the following week, it's it's Barboza and Lee co-main event. I just feel just awful about Frankie Edgar returning. 50 yep. days after getting knocked out, which I did find very interesting. Uh, his manager, Ali Abdelaziz, was on Ariel's show on Monday, and Ali said that he uh, tried to get Frankie not to take the fight. So, But he said this is what Frankie wanted. So I thought it was kind of interesting that Ali was one of the guys trying to get Frankie not to take uh, the fight. Outside of that, oh, man, nothing really jumps out that, that says, um, I can't wait to sit on my couch and spend 65 bucks. Yep, and that's ultimately why I think at some point, even though Ronda does not want to do it, I think if this if things keep progressing the way they are for Ronda and WWE, because she's off to a huge start, if, if if she's able to sustain this level of fandom and this level of mainstream attention, the UFC is going to really break their necks to get her back in the cage at some point. And, you know, forget about Cyborg, forget about Ronda in a title fight. You know, find someone that they can make a fun, big fight with, you know, the equivalent to what they do when Brock comes back, you know? Why not try to go at some point? Why not try to make Ronda versus Gina again? Just don't put her in a fight where you're going up against an elite striker. Right, we'll put her, but, but, you know, I guess Gina is, you know, technically an elite striker with her Muay Thai, but I think that would be a good fight. I really did from, you know, stylistically and competitively. I think that would be a great fight and I think it would do massive numbers. So is she a full-time WWE wrestler at this point? Yes and no. I don't think you're going to see her, you know, do all the house shows and I don't think you're necessarily going to see her on TV every week, but I think you're going to see her be more visible and more active on TV than Brock Lesnar is. That's my understanding. Hmm. Interesting. Interesting. Uh, yeah, I, 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 th- 
I, I just don't. I just don't follow the dirty product that I'm not, you know every once in a while. But I, you know, I see what people say about it. But it's uh, yeah. I, I do. I do want to end on this. I, I wonder how much of bringing her in has to do with that TV deal. Which I mean, WWE trying yeah. to get a TV deal. Well, yeah. I mean, WWE is smart when it comes to TV negotiations. You know, they they created the WWE Network as leverage. In for TV negotiations to have a place maybe they could go to if the industry changed and took a turn for the worse against them, that they would have, you know, a, a backup platform that they could go to where they could survive, you know, and, and they, they know they want to get a big deal. So they're going out and they're making moves at the right time. They're making the right moves at the right time to spark as much mainstream interest as possible to make themselves as, as, as attractive as possible to these entertainment outlets, whereas the UFC is doing the complete opposite. Yeah, it's uh, it's an interesting time. But uh, Sam, as always, man, appreciate the conversation. Uh, for those who don't know, you actually have a new Twitter handle, so let them know what it is. Yep, it's Sam Kaplan with a C, Kaplan with a C, C-A-P-L-A-N, B-A-C. B-A-C stands for Brand Ambassador Consultants. That's my new company, my new marketing firm that I've created for health food products, uh, focusing right now on the tri-state value uh, – uh, tri-state area in the greater philadelphia area but we will work with companies on a national perspective if they're interested just check us out brand ambassador or hit me up on twitter sam kaplan bac and of course uh you can check out my other podcast the may report which comes out this week going to be joined by bellator 197 fighters branding gertz aj mckee and justin lawrence plus we'll get you ready for this weekend's fight. So let's go wrap it up for this episode of the MMA Insiders Podcast, which is always available on RadioInfluence.com. This is a sitting ringside with David Penzer. Quick Fix on Radio Influence. I don't understand if you're going to push the guy down our throat down the fan's throat, and they hated it. And it was obvious that they hated every Monday they hated it. On the internet, they hated it. Uh, in the chat rooms, they hated it. You know, on WWE.com, they hated it. Everybody hated it. But they decided they were going to push this match to give the belt to Roman Reigns, and then they don't. I don't get it. Maybe at the end of the day, somebody got in Vince's ear at the 12th hour and said, dude, this is not going to work. The problem is, is nobody cared. If you heard they turn, if you could tell they turned the sound way down. People were chanting, this is awful. People had beach balls that they were playing with. It was, uh, nobody cared. And they, they made sure to tell people, to tell the people in the back, the powers that be, that nobody, that they didn't care. So why book this match? Why not book Braun Strowman against Roman and put Braun over? That would have gotten a huge pop. Could have been a change into the guard. If you're going to take it this far, then you got to pull the trigger at some point. Sitting ringside with David Penzer can be found on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn Radio, Google Play, and RadioInfluence.com.